Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. You know, words matter. Words mean things, right? And knowing the correct meaning of words is really important when you're trying to understand a concept or communicate a concept. So we're going to get into that a little bit later in the show, but first I want to cover some of the news of the week. Actually, there's a lot to cover. In fact, I was looking over my notes. I have a feeling this is going to be the longest gold wrap ever. So you might want to grab a cup of coffee before we continue. So let's start with the gold market. Uh, As you probably know, the price of gold dropped well below $1,700 an ounce this week. It got down to $1,678. And then yesterday we saw a bit of a rally after the European Central Bank raised interest rates for the first time in 11 years. The ECB surprised everybody and went with a 50 basis point hike. You know, go big or go home, right? Um, That put their funds rate at zero. Yes, the foundational interest rate in the Eurozone has been below zero for 11 years. I mean, what could go wrong, right? So the rate hike gave the Euro a boost, and uh, that created some dollar weakness. Um, Of course, you know, dollar strength has been one of the biggest headwinds for gold. The dollar has been strong mainly because the Fed started tightening earlier than a lot of the other central banks. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to the dollar as other countries begin to tighten to deal with their own inflation problems. Remember, all of these currency strengths, when we talk about dollar strength, it's all relative to other currencies. And it's interesting because while gold has been struggling in dollar terms, it's actually been high in many other currencies. All that said, the dollar actually started falling earlier in the week, I guess in anticipation of the ECB uh, move, and that still didn't boost gold. The safe haven of choice right now appears to be treasuries and bonds because yields are rising. Now, we've talked about this before. Real interest rates are still way below uh, the inflation rate. So they're still deeply negative. But nevertheless, everybody's rushing into bonds and treasuries. And, you know, this goes back to the same thing I've been talking about for months. You can see it in the mainstream analysis. They all talk about this aggressive inflation fight by the Fed and how it's boosting the dollar and it's driving up yields and that's bad for gold. Now, There's no doubt that the Fed is going to raise rates again next week. The consensus now seems to be that we'll get another 75 basis point hike, although there is still some speculation that we might get a full percent. But honestly, regardless of of how they go, I really think this could be the last hike. I mean, the bottom is dropping out of the economy, and I think you'll see some easing in CPI in August, judging by the fact that gas prices have come down, we've seen some commodity prices dropping. So, That's going to be the excuse that the Fed needs to get out of the ring and disengage from a fight it really doesn't want to be in. Speaking of the economy, the Atlanta Fed GDP projection for Q2 is now negative 1.6%. That's actually a tick lower than their previous estimate. Now, I'm going to be shocked if the actual Q2 GDP print, I think it comes out next week, I'll be shocked if that isn't negative. So that will be two straight quarters of negative growth, which is literally a recession by definition, right? 
But some people in the mainstream are still acting like there just can't possibly be a recession. There was actually a Reuters article yesterday headlined, U.S. GDP may fall again in Q2. Does it mean recession? Yes, you clowns, that's the definition of a recession. But they are trying to redefine recession, just like they redefined inflation. You know, anything to make it seem like it's okay to us plebs. And remember what I said at the top of the show. Words mean things. Definitions matter. So I guess if you can just, you know, redefine it, then we can't have a recession. It's crazy. Anyway, the go-to move to prop up the economy is, as Reuters put it, hiring perhaps the most important touchstone remains strong. But hiring is a lagging indicator. As I said last week, companies have to realize that they're in a recession before they start laying people off. They have to see that squeeze in their profits, that squeeze in their revenues. And there are signs that the employment situation is getting a little sketchy. The number of Americans enrolling for unemployment benefits rose for a third straight week last week to the highest level in eight months. That seems less than ideal, right? And for some anecdotal evidence, I saw this little tidbit, quote, Apple appears to be joining the slate of tech giants that, at the very least, are tapping the brakes on their hiring plans due to concerns about a possible economic slowdown. So let's be honest, the recession is here, whether Reuters redefines the term or what. We know that we're in a recession. We've been in a recession. I have a feeling we're going to be in a recession for a long time. As Peter Schiff has said, it's not going to be a short and shallow recession. It's going to be a deep and long recession. So anyway, as of this morning, when I started prepping the show, gold was back up above 1700 It was around 1728 I read one analyst who said that the price of gold right now is headline-driven. You know, and I think that's the perfect description. People are reacting based on the latest headline, along with speculation about what they think the Fed is going to do next week. And, And that's fine if you're just trying to play the market's ups and downs. But if you want to understand where we're going to be in six months or a year or further out than that, you've got to start putting these headlines together in some kind of cogent way. So anyway, I... You know, I think we're at the point that the economy is slipping. The Fed is still trying to tighten. It's not going to keep tightening into a recession. I just don't think it has the guts to do it. So I think we're going to see a big shift. I talked last week about uh, the Fed's Sophie's Choice. Check out that show if you get a chance. But I think that's where we are. Okay, so get this. I now know the cause of inflation. It's the millennials. It's the millennials' fault. They did it. Yes, that was an actual CNBC headline. So add that to the list of reasons for rising prices, along with COVID, supply chain problems, greedy corporations, Putin's price hikes, and uh, voodoo. Smead Capital Investment Chief Investment Officer Bill Smead told CNBC that the size of the millennial generation is causing inflation. Quote, see, what everyone is not including in the conversation is what really causes inflation, which is too many people with too much money chasing too few goods, he said. And he explained that there are roughly 92 million millennials. So it is a very large generational cohort. So 
he went on. He said, so we have in the United States a whole lot of people, 27 to 42, who postponed home buying, car buying for about seven years later than most generations. But in the past two years, they've all entered the party together, he said. Now, I want you to think about this a second. Over the last two years, suddenly this cohort, this generation has started buying stuff. What has happened in the last two years? We've had a pandemic and we've shut the economy down. Something doesn't quite make sense here, right? So I do have to give this dude a little bit of credit. He actually gets closer to the cause of inflation than most people. He at least recognizes that more dollars chasing the same amount of goods and services will cause prices to generally rise. But he leaves the key question unanswered. Where are these people getting all of these extra dollars? So logic with me here for a moment. If the number of dollars, along with the amount of goods and services in the system, remains stable, rising spending by one generation would necessarily correlate with declining spending in others, right? As millennials consumed more stuff, there'd be less stuff for other people in other generations to purchase, and prices would remain stable. Now, more realistically in the economy, the larger, younger generation would produce more stuff, adding to the inventory of goods and services. So in a stable monetary environment, prices should actually fall as the larger generation produces additional stuff. We should see an increase of wealth um, and, and prices falling. But as Smead explains it, the millennials are apparently not producing more, but somehow they have more dollars. Meanwhile, every other generation still has the same number of dollars, and they continue to spend at the same pace. Therefore, we have all of these extra millennial dollars chasing the same amount of stuff. Voila, inflation. But it seems like Smead must be leaving something out, right? There, there's a key player in this scenario that, I, I don't know, he seems to be missing it. And yes, he is, the Federal Reserve. The only way that millennials can have more dollars without taking dollars from other generations is if somebody is creating new dollars. And that somebody, of course, is the Fed. Now, somehow the Fed manages to escape scrutiny in any mainstream discussion of inflation. You know, I ran through the list of reasons for inflation a minute ago. You never hear anybody in the mainstream say, oh, the Fed printing money is causing inflation. And of course, that's by design. But the truth of the matter is the central bank is the root of the problem. They're hiding behind a bad definition of inflation. And as I mentioned earlier, words and meanings matter. So basically, the Fed is creating trillions of dollars out of thin air, did that over the last couple of years, and then injected them into the economy. That's the primary reason we're seeing consumer prices spiking through the roof today. Yes, Oil price shocks, supply chain issues, and other factors drive up prices in certain sectors. But the Fed monetary policy lies behind the more general rise in prices. That's really what we're seeing. The federal government, of course, also plays a role. In the first place, the U.S. government needed the Fed to monetize its pandemic borrowing and spending spree. Meanwhile, both Trump and the Biden administrations took a lot of this newly created money and they showered it on consumers with stimulus checks. That put money in people's pockets even as they were sitting at home producing nothing. So basically, the Fed props up government spending by printing money. 
That's how millennials and everybody else can spend a bunch of money while they aren't working. The Fed prints it and the government hands it out. The Fed is the engine that drives this entire thing. The central bank creates the dollars. Without all of those extra dollars, people couldn't have too much money to chase too few goods, as Smead explains it. So one question remains, how does the Fed manage to get off scot-free in every inflation discussion when its policies are really driving inflation at the core? Because politicians, bureaucrats, and central bankers, along with mainstream pundits, have successfully redefined inflation. Remember, words matter. When people use the word inflation today, they really mean rising consumer prices as measured by the Consumer Price Index, the CPI. You'll often hear CPI referred to as an inflation measure. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, I do it. I kind of interchange rising prices and inflation. But rising prices aren't inflation. They are a symptom of inflation. Now, if you find a dictionary from the 1970s, and I did, you'll find this definition for inflation. A sharp increase in the amount of money and credit causing advances in the price level. Now, notice that the definition mentions rising prices, but only as a symptom of inflation, which is the increase in the amount of money and credit. Now, over the years, the government, along with its apologists in the corporate media and in academia, they've altered the definition to suit government purposes. The standard definition of inflation bandied about today is nothing more than government propaganda. Now, why does the government want to redefine inflation as rising prices? Because then that modern definition allows policymakers to shift the blame. If we use the original definition of inflation as an expansion of the money supply, the culprit becomes crystal clear, right? Who expands the money supply? It's the Fed and the government. So, if you accurately define inflation, you know exactly who's to blame. But if the government can fool people into believing that an effect of inflation is inflation, then they can blame it on whoever or whatever they want to say is raising the prices. Uh, Putin, pandemics, and apparently millennials. So, the original definition of inflation is the key to understanding inflation. When you misdefine inflation as rising prices, bad monetary policy and bad fiscal policy go on unchallenged. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. We see everything in the world being blamed, and nobody ever points their finger at the Fed. In fact, the Fed, is that, that's who's going to save us, right? They're the one that created the problem to begin with. So, the inflation blame game, you know, it's great for the powers that be, it's great for politicians, it's great for central bankers, it's not so great for you or me, because we're paying this inflation tax every single day. So, how are you going to deal with this rampant inflation? Because it's not going anywhere. I mean, the Fed's not about to stop printing money, right? right? At least not in the long run. So I highly recommend talking to a shift gold precious metals specialist. These guys are fantastic. They can tell you how precious metals can serve as an inflation hedge. I know it hasn't looked like an inflation hedge over the last six or eight months, but you kind of got to look longer term, I think. Um, But they can talk to you about the dynamics in the gold market, what's going on, how inflation has historically been hedged using precious metals. Um, 
They're fantastic. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com or you can just go to the uh, Shift Gold website, go to the Get Started tab, and you can chat with a precious metal specialist right there. I guarantee you, you're going to have a good experience. They will look at your needs, your goals, your portfolio, and talk to you about how precious metals can fit into your personal investment strategy. Um, I've worked with these guys to buy precious metals. It's a great experience from beginning to end. And uh, so I highly recommend it. You can do that. Do it today. So I lied. This isn't the longest Friday gold wrap ever. I think I looked at the, uh, you know, how they have the word count at the bottom. I think the word count on my notes was, uh, I think I misread it. Anyway, still, maybe you got an extra cup of coffee, and that's never a bad thing, right? Uh, So, but anyway, yeah, this is basically a normal length Friday gold wrap. So, you know, sorry about being misleading, but, you know, you'll get over it, right? Regardless, that's a gold wrap for this week. And you can get more details on all of these stories and more. And, of course, keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can always subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Ship Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to these things over on the show notes page. Um, always love to hear from folks. You can shoot me an email, mmaharry. That's M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Um, Again, always great to hear from folks. I've gotten some good ideas from listeners, so always appreciate that. With that, I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you again next week.